You're listening to the Table Church Podcast. The Table is a community in Orville, California that aims to follow Jesus by doing what he did. Love God, love our neighbors, and serve those in need. Find us at thetablechurch.net, Instagram, or Facebook. And now for the message. We are second week of a new sermon series called Stand Firm. It's about standing firm, enduring during trying times. We're going to spend a couple weeks here in First Peter, along with the rest of the global church, are reading these uh, very same passages all over the world for the next five weeks. And so uh, that we're going to be planted right here in the letter of First Peter, which is near the end of your Bible, because it's near the end of Peter's life, and he's uh, the leader of a church. You know Peter, he walks on water. He's one of Jesus' main 12 disciples. Well, after Jesus is ascended to the right hand of the Father, uh, Peter now is the de facto leader of the church in, in many senses, and so he is writing a letter to the church in his old age as he's coming near the end of his life. And so he has some words for us, uh, us all, as the apostle of the, of the church here. Um, he's older, he's in charge of his own church, he's passing along wisdom before he passes on. And he's writing to the church, which I just said. I have slides for everything that I said, it seems like, uh, coming. Today we're going to be spending a time in a little section called uh, chapter 1, 17 through 22. And, and we always start with the bad news, and I see the bad news right off the bat. It says, you should conduct yourselves with reverence during this time of your dwelling in a strange land. Live in this way, <clears throat> knowing that you were not liberated by perishable things like silver or gold from the empty lifestyle that you inherited from your ancestors. So right away, he's trying to warn them that there's these things they are going to try to speak into your life. They're going to try to direct you in ways that uh, God doesn't want you to go. And so that's the bad news. It's, it's this. As soon as my slides catch up with me, I don't want to mess it up. Everyone patiently wait. In difficult times, we can over-rely on things like the culture, on our possessions, maybe even on our own families to get us through for hope, for relief, for help, for salvation. He says that. I'm going to go even if it lets me. I'm going to go backwards and show you where I'm getting that. Everyone, just stare at the screen. Mm. See where he says strange land. This is culture stuff to me. See where he says silver and gold over there. That's possessions. See where he says empty lifestyle that you inherited from your ancestors. There are ways in which we walk in our own family dynamics that are dysfunctional, but we fall back on them because it's what we know. It's how we cope. And so our own family dynamics can lead us to an empty lifestyle just because we inherited them from the people that we grew up with and we lived with and we learned from. And so he's telling us in difficult times, we can over rely on culture, possessions, and family to try to get us through, to get help, to get hope to get salvation. But he's got some good news for us, and it comes through uh, the rest of the passage. And you know how I like to preach? I like to preach head, heart, hands, something for us to know, something for us to experience or feel in our hearts, and something for us to do with our hands. And so with our head, what I think Peter wants us to know, I mean, he says the words knowing right there. He says, live in this way, knowing, head stuff, that you were not liberated by perishable things like silver or gold from the empty lifestyle that you inherited from your ancestors. Instead, you were liberated by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Here's our first point with our head. He wants us to know right here in our kaboggan. Is that a word? You are set free, not by people, not by possessions, not by politics, but by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. 
That is our liberation. That is our freedom. See, he says, knowing precious blood of Jesus Christ, not, not culture, not silver and gold, not the inherited ways of our ancestors. Uh, because you are human, right? Because you uh, have all the frailties and difficulties and brokennesses of all the humans around us, we, uh, things are going to get hard. And when things are going to get hard, we're going to look around us for help. We're going to look around us for how to get through. We're going to look around us to cope. And you're going to be tempted, Peter tells us, to take our eyes off Jesus and to look at what other people are doing, to look at what has been done, to look at what culture tells us to do to get through. And so we're going to have this temptation before us to take our eyes off of Jesus and we'll look at other things for hope, help, and salvation. But Peter wants us to not look there because we look to these things, people, politics, possessions, power, popularity. Remember these five because you're going to have a question about this. We look to these Ps uh, to help get us through, to, to help find a way. Um, but Peter wants us to know that they are empty. He's encouraging us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the one who set us free, knowing that you are already free. And what Jesus says in John chapter 8, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. This is something you already have. That kind of freedom isn't impacted by our outer circumstances, whatever we're going through. Troubles can't take away our liberation it is bought by Jesus' blood, and we have it forever and ever. We need not look anywhere else, Peter tells us. So our question for the panel, and I would love for you to maybe write some answers below if you're wherever you are, Twitter, Facebook, Facebook, YouTube, Facebook, all those places. <laughs> which, P, which P is a temptation for you? Is it people? Is it politics? Is it possessions? Is it power? Is it popularity? What, what are you going for? Well, just before um, I answer, I Googled it, and toboggan is not a word. <laughs> I think that you combined toboggan and noggin. Maybe and cabeza, threw too. a C a in bit front of, of it. Cabeza? Cabeza. <laughs> it's your toboggan. Oh, um, no. Oh, no. So uh, thank you for bringing some knowledge to our toboggans here this morning, You're James. welcome. Uh, for me, it's definitely probably popularity. Um, I think seeking approval is something that I subconsciously and consciously do. Um, I have always been someone who looked for attention. Uh, I think that there's some firstbornness to it. Um, just being in a big family and being the first grandson born and being... Uh, the first grandchild born and for like years being the only one I w had attention heaped on me and I was digging it I mean there's like <laughs> there's like home videos of me running around as a three-year-old just like making the rounds to every aunt uncle grandparent just so um, there's something inside of me that gets that way and um, I think it came to a head there uh, just a couple years ago at my job I was I was just really focused on what on who other people uh, were saying I am. Uh, sorry, that that had terrible grammar, but yeah, I was right. focused on who they were saying, uh, who they were they were defining me. Yeah, and uh, I kind of talked a little bit about on Sunday morning. Um, that's the, when we started doing the song "Who You Say I Am." 
um, if you know that one. And it was just like a moment where God was telling me, like, I define you. I made you. I knew you uh, before you were in the womb. So um, you don't get defined by other people. And so that's kind of where it came to a head. I still struggle with it. Yeah. I still uh, look for uh, achieve achievement through um, other people pat me on the back. Yeah. But um, when I feel the most free and the most peace yeah. is when um, uh, Jesus, I hear Jesus saying good job. Yeah. Because other people saying good job is fleeting. And they don't. They might not even think I, uh, I'm doing a good job. Yeah. And so at best they say it and then it falls away because they, you know, it's results-based world. Um, so that's when yeah. I'm at my best when I hear yeah. Jesus saying, well, uh, done good, yeah. faithful servant. Right. Yeah. So that's so popularity. Yeah. That's a really great answer, Matt. You did a good job. Oh, thank you. That'll <laughs> fuel me for the next few days. Um, I think for me, it would have to be power. Um, and I say that because I'm kind of, I like to be in control. Yeah. So when things around me are in an upheaval or, not what I want them to be. I try and find something, anything to be in control of. So like right now in this situation, um, you know, I'm homeschooling my kids. We're all together at home, like 99.9% of the time. Um, and everything is outside of our regular norms. And so for me, (laughs) um, I'm a little bit embarrassed to say, but I look towards finding some type of structure, some type of organization, some type of control. Um, yeah yeah that's I where it. i find the peace <laughs> that's the exact thing i was thinking about with power like sometimes it's just trying to be in control of something you know yeah uh f- for me uh, i i'm almost all of these like there's some ways in which like uh ordering some stuff from amazon just like uh takes my mood to retail the next therapy level. <laughs> a little bit like huh and they're like this is dangerous you're like i could order all my stuff for the week or I could order something every day. <laughs> um, but I think one of the things that we struggle with, and I know I struggle with, sorry, I keep trying to put it on you, but um, sometimes there's just this idea of politics, and this is where I was talking about culture, that if we can just get the right people in place, everything would be fine. If we can just get the right people in power, vote for the right person, vote for the right party, everything's going to be taken care of. We'll be saved. And I think that's one of the sins of the nation right now. And I know that's true in my life. It's one of those reasons why I just love arguing about politics so much is because I think I'm right. And I think if we just did it my way, everything would be so much better. And there's just a way in which we have a temptation to put our hope for salvation would be the biblical term, but our hope for relief, our hope for making things right in the world by, by just getting the right people in place. And what that forgets, right, is that everybody is selfish uh, at the end of the day. Um, <clears throat> Superintendent Mark says, my Kaboggan thinks people. Yeah. Uh, by, hi the way, by the way, Superintendent Mark. But um, then he also kind of agreed with what I was saying. So thanks for, <laughs> thanks for tuning in there, Mark. Thanks, thanks Mark. And also thank you for the approval. Yeah. Um, Aaron says, by the way, Aaron doing a great job on social media. She says, people is my temptation often equating my worth to how much I perceive others love and like me. Yeah, right. Totally. So when we think, I mean, it doesn't matter what's going on in the world. Sometimes if we think if the right politics are in the place or we have the right approval from the right people, everything's going to be fine. And Peter wants us to get away from that temptation, to realize that we've already been set free. We've already been saved by the blood of Jesus that happened a long time ago. And he says, this was done for you, he says in the middle of that passage. He goes on, actually it's the beginning of the passage, and we're going to move to point number two. 
He goes on, this is the beginning, verse 17, and he says, you should conduct yourself with reverence during the time of your dwelling in a strange land because you were liberated by the precious blood of Christ. And what I want to point out, what does he want us to experience in our heart? What does he want us to feel? I think Peter wants us to experience the awesomeness of God, the awe of God before us, because the awe of God drives away being afraid and being anxious. If we can keep the awesomeness of God before us, it drives away the outer circumstances going on. Here's what he says. You should conduct yourself with reverence, awe. If you want to get some Old Testament King James Version, we're talking about the fear of the Lord. But awe encompasses this. There's just a way in which God is out and about. And, and God's glory is overpowering and overwhelming. And if, and if we can try to keep glimpses of that, it, it pushes away, it drives away fear and anxiety. You should conduct yourself with reverence, awe, Peter says. Keep God's awesomeness before you. The church in Peter's time was facing low-grade persecution. They were scattered. They had no home, no normalcy. Like us, Oftentimes when our normal goes out the window, our regular practices and behavior does too. Because we get out of our schedules and out of our routines, it, it, I don't know, it just throws us off. It opens our, our mind and ideas up to, to new things, new ideas. Some of them are not healthy for us at all. Peter encourages us to endure, to push through by experiencing the reverential awe of God in our lives. Conduct yourself with reverence, he says with the awe of God before our eyes and gratitude to Jesus in our hearts because by his blood we were liberated, anxiety and fear will be kept from wreaking havoc in our lives. Question for the panel and question for you if you want to type below. What exercises or actions do you do to keep the awe of God in your life before your eyes? What are you doing at home to try to keep a glimpse of the glory? I think when I see this question, uh, the first thing that comes to mind is thin spaces. And this was a concept, an idea that you talked about, I think last year or yeah. whatever, but this this idea of a space that is so thin between our world here on earth and God in heaven that, yeah. it, that you could reach out and touch it. You feel like you could reach out and touch it. And so for me, um, trying to encounter those spaces in my everyday life as often as possible. Yeah. Um, and it was funny because I was, I've been journaling recently um, and I just kept, my pen kept writing thin for whatever reason. I didn't really know why, <laughs> but it kept writing thin. And it was during the morning when I was up before, uh, before the sun had come up, <laughs> I had my coffee. Uh, it's really quiet. There's just a soft glow in my house, you know, whatever. And I was like, why is my pen keep writing thin? And the, th the only thing I, that I could think of was, I was experiencing a thin space there, yeah. and I and I wrote that out in my journal, um, and I don't know why, I don't know why, but I love that time. I try to encounter that time as much as possible, um, and it happened one other time during Christmas. I love. Um, Christmas my Christmas tree. I love my Christmas tree and fireplaces. <laughs> so if you if you follow me on social media at all, that's pretty much all I post from about uh, Thanksgiving until Valentine's Day, um, because I love it so much. But I think for me, it's because it is that yeah. space where I feel closest to God. Yeah. Um, most my soul is 
the most calm it can be. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, in my everyday life, I just try to experience that space as much as possible wherever I find it. So That's perfect. I love seeing your posts where you're like coffee and Jesus time and you put on some worship music in the morning. But yeah, Celtic Christianity really gives us that idea of thin space where there are just are places where it feels like heaven is closer. They say, heaven and earth are three inches apart is what they say. And, and if you can find a, a, a literal physical space that is near you, it's helpful for your frame of mind to change as you walk or get close to it. Like maybe there's your prayer chair or you have sometimes have your deck or your Christmas tree. I love that. Matt, you got an answer for us. Absolutely. Um, for me, it, when I'm at my best, it's uh, obviously singing to the Lord and just worshiping through music um, and then listening to scripture and just being reminded of all the miracles that God has done. A uh, uh, few other ones from Facebook. Uh, Bonnie says sing. Too. Yeah, she loves music. She's all about that music. Hey, Bonnie. And so for her, uh, it's the same as as I am that way. I think she goes to more rock and roll concerts than I do. I mean, dude, <laughs> she's seen like everybody. Uh, Jeff Johnson, Miranda's husband, says prayer at the dinner table with the kids. Yeah. Uh, the things they thank God for will blow you away. Yeah, which, absolutely. Yeah, great. out of the mouths of babes, right? Um, Rachel says... Um, Meditate on the meaning of uh, the meaning of his names. Yeah. Journaling ways he's made ways out of uh, out of no way. Yeah. Talking to uh, talking to people that are encouraging. Yeah. Thank so you, Rachel. Yeah, that's really good too. Um, yeah, a ton of other shares. Um, these yeah. are really good. Angie says every morning I wake up and try to say to God that not only do I need you uh, to. Uh, to be my best today, but I want you. I choose you. That's great. I think that's cool. Reminds me of a line from C.S. Lewis who says, every morning we wake up a heathen and every morning we need to be reconverted. And so it sounds like you're doing that practice of I need you, I want you. For me, um, where I'm feeling like I'm keeping the awe of God before me is I'm a night person. And so my kids go to sleep and I spend about 30 minutes preparing for those daily devotionals I've been doing. I get to dig in deep to some scripture and read some scholars. And I just, it's just a little bit of me time. The kids saw logs and uh, I love it. It is a beautiful time for me to just kind of uh, figure out what God's saying, not only to all of us, but especially to me. Point number three, Jesus wraps up in verse 22. It, it did I say Jesus? I, I meant Peter. He's writing to us. And, and he says this, as you set yourselves apart by your obedience to the truth that you might have genuine, so that you might have genuine affection for your fellow believers, love each other deeply and earnestly. I feel like I always have a point that is centered around love, but it is so prevalent in all of our scripture. And so what he wants us to do with our hands, two things, live weird and love deeply. Live weird and love deep. He says, you are living in a strange land. You are living in strange times right now. Um, he, he wants to call us exiles. We talked about this last week. In a lot of ways, we don't belong here. This is not our true home. And so um, it, in some ways, it should prepare us for the strange times that we're in. But he wants us to know that we get to, on purpose, live differently than the world around us. In fact, those people are looking to us to figure out uh, what Jesus looks like and how Jesus would live in this place. But he also wants us to love deeply, especially those who follow Jesus. See what he says uh, right before the, the yellow. Genuine affection for your fellow believers. Love each other deeply and earnestly. The truth about Jesus should make us look and live differently than the world around us. 
Jesus is different. His kingdom is different than the world around us. But Peter's primary encouragement is that we love deeply, genuinely, earnestly. It sounds like a song from the early 2000s. Um, But why does he want us to love like this? Why does he want us to love deeply, earnestly, genuine affection? Difficult times usually brings out one or two responses in us cynicism or compassion we can get cynical or we can get compassionate and and i'll tell you the ways that you can get cynical real quick here's how you cultivate cynicism look into blame conspiracy theories politicizing uh issues going on in our world over politicizing them scapegoating people places things This is all the ways you could practice cultivating cynicism in your life. Peter does not want us to do that. Peter wants us to cultivate compassion by loving the community of the faithful deeply. It's going to be people who soft those rough edges of cynicism as we learn to love one another. Letting the Holy Spirit turn our troubles into transformation. That's rocket fuel by loving each other deeply, by loving each other well by loving each other genuinely and affectionately, he says. And so my question for the panel and for you, if you have any below, what are practical ways to avoid cynicism and cultivate compassion during difficult times? Anybody got any? Um, For me, it's uh, one of the ways is self-talk. So just reminding myself, like, uh, know you... Jesus wants you to love them. <laughs> you can't like yeah. you can't be totally exhausted of them and irritated with them and tired of them and all the functional ways that you hate someone. Although you don't want to say the word hate. Uh, I was talking to somebody who's just like uh they drive me nuts. I dislike them very much. I think about them often. Um I just totally dislike them and I'm like, "Well, you really got to release that hatred, you know?" and Oh, well, I don't hate them. I love everyone. Yeah. Uh, but you're like, man, you look down that list. That <laughs> sounds like a lot like hate. Yeah. Uh, and so um, I find that in my own life, too. Just like when I get exhausted with people, um, man, it sure looks a lot like hatred. So the self-talk of just like, no, Jesus wants us to love them because he did. Yeah. And he knows way more of their faults than we do. Yeah. <laughs> he knows way deeper uh, how awful they are because everybody's awful, yeah. and yet he still loves them. And uh, so that that self talk is kind of the way that I of just like reminding like what would Jesus? I mean, it's cliche, but like what would Jesus say? What would Jesus do? Um, and so that's how I try to com- cultivate compassion rather than because uh, it's easy to be cynical to to people especially when you're a busy person and you're trying to get stuff done and they're kind of in your way uh that's that cynicism part too of just like that's why uh, i actually love commandments in scripture because it does two things for me it it says um well three things first this is important to god 
Second, this is going to go against your nature. So your nature, it's going to be easier for you to be cynical many times. Um, but the command says, hey, uh, you need to do some self-talk. You need to correct what's going on naturally in your body. And the third thing that I love about commandments is that um, it is the author, especially it's Jesus's way of saying that he has faith in us. He thinks we could do it by his Holy Spirit, by his power, by his grace. He actually thinks that we can learn to love one another genuinely, affectionately, and overcome cynicism that comes with difficult times. So I love that self-talk idea. You got any Yeah, I think for me, it, I'm just looking at, at this question twofold. I, I think the way that I avoid cynicism um, would be just avoidance in general. Like I avoid watching the news <laughs> at all costs. Um, I avoid engaging in, um, you know, Facebook wars. I just will scroll by most times um, because I just... I, d- I don't want to go down that yeah. rabbit hole. So I really um, am a, an avoider. Um, and as far as like cultivating compassion, I'm just constantly looking for ways to to love on people, wh- whatever it is, um, whether it's, you know, dropping off eggs during this time where, you know, limited supplies yeah. and demand kind of thing, uh, dropping off flowers, whatever it is, just ways that I can love on folks. I'm definitely a doer, so okay. I mean, I can sit at home and pray, and I definitely do that. But any tangible, personal way that I can love on somebody is is what I try to do. I love that very much. Action, which has been a struggle right now. Yeah. And I can't see anyone, <laughs> can't so see I'm struggling, y'all. <laughs> uh, again, I don't know. I'm thinking C.S. Lewis, who says it's it's hard to uh, cultivate just like loving somebody without being near them or doing things for them. He's, but he says, if you can, if you can go and serve your neighbor or serve somebody, you will at the end of that process, cultivate a compassion for them. So I like that. You're like, let's just do some stuff for each other. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's way harder to hate a, a people group or a person or a lifestyle or whatever you want to call it. If you know people that are in that, you go, well, I really love, I mean, they're this, but I really do love them. Yeah. You know? And it's like, yeah, well, yeah, because that's why Jesus loves them, because he knows them. Yeah. And so when you don't let yourself know someone because of w- their deal, yeah. then you're f- forgetting compassion. Yeah. Um, Facebook world have anything for yeah, us? Yeah. Uh, Gary says uh, f- what helps him is to realize the kingdom of God is the place we need to learn uh, to live in. Yeah. Um, and that's that... Um, we're all learning. Live weird, love deeply, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, just like living in the kingdom, yeah. Uh, which is so upside down from, you know, how we as Americans at least run things. Um, yeah, a lot of great sharing here. For me, I th- I'm was piggybacking off there is of just like learning people's story is a great way to, to cultivate compassion because I think everybody's got a story and. Some of their uh, rough edges can be explained by the ways that they've had to learn to adapt to difficulties or traumas or things going on in their lives or those inherited family systems that we talked about earlier. And so the more we can learn about someone's story, the, I think the easier it will be for us to cultivate compassion for folks. But Peter wants us to love deeply. Let's hit a summary and move into a time of communion. Um, with our head, Peter wants us to know that we were not liberated by those P's, those possessions, popularity, um, power. Uh, He wants us to know that we were liberated by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. No one can take that away, and your outward circumstances do not affect or impact uh, that inward salvation, liberation that Jesus gives us. And with our heart, Peter wants us to experience 
the awesomeness of God, that we could keep the awe of God before our eyes, and that would drive away being afraid or being anxious. And with our hands, Peter wants us to live weird and love deeply, cultivating compassion as we lean into loving each other more authentically, genuinely, deeply, and earnestly. Would you pray with me? Father God, we come before you now with great praise and thanks. Thank you for this time of hearing from your word and your encouragement to endure during hard times by remembering what Jesus has done, by keeping the awe of God before us, the glory, getting glimpses of glory in our daily life through our practices, even in the ordinary, seeing you as we make beds and bread and dinner and just catching those glimpses of your glory. And ultimately, that you would encourage us to have people in our lives because we need community if we're going to endure the stuff, if we're going to make it through. And so thank you for driving us deeper into our authentic, genuine affection for one another. And would you help us to live that out, not only in our hearts, but with our hands as well. Now, Father, as we move into a time of communion, would you meet us here in these elements, in the bread and the juice Would your Holy Spirit be in us and on us that it would be spiritual nourishment for us so that we can be closer to you? We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.